listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 24th, 2021, the third Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. I come from a family of numerous fishermen, and I don't know, any, I don't know that any of them would walk away from their rods and reels as easily as Simon and Andrew and James and John leave their nets and boats. In this one moment, these two sets of brothers are model followers, immediately dropping everything to join Jesus on his way. But it turns out this is pretty much the high point of their discipleship in Mark, because from here on out, they bumble and stumble and doubt and disappoint their teacher up until the bitter end, when they leave him to die alone on the cross. But part of the good news in this gospel, according to Mark, is that even with their many faults and failures, the disciples are never thrown off the team when they lose their way. Even after Jesus' death, in his resurrection appearances, Jesus keeps issuing the invitation to follow and always brings them back from wrong turns. And eventually, they did become fishers for people, and it changed the world. We are living proof that those first disciples, our spiritual ancestors, made good on Jesus' invitation to follow his way. And for many of the early disciples, it was a risky invitation to accept. It cost many of them their lives. For us, it has never been easier and never more difficult to follow the way of Jesus. Depending on what criteria you use to measure, you might think our world is messier or better off than it's ever been. But both things are true. Our problems are dire. But our resources are many, and our freedom to hoard them or to share them is vast. The way of Jesus presents us with the same hope for the world and the same message for us as he had for those he invited first. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. That is, the kingdom is within reach. Follow me. The kingdom of God might be better understood if we gave it a more modern parlance. One writer suggests we call the kingdom of God the culture of God, because in our world we speak of cultures uniting us and dividing us, much in the same way the ancient world spoke of kingdoms. The good news for us today is that even in the midst of this deadly pandemic, even as we are caught up in a culture of violence and entrenched systemic racism, the time is fulfilled. The culture of God has come near. And the way to actualize this culture is to follow Jesus, follow his way. A simple calling that is far from easy in a world where everyone wants to win and the winners take all. In a culture where the people are truly free and truth rather than power is upheld as the goal of every argument, the people are allowed to voice their disagreements without being stripped of their humanity. The culture of God is like that, only more so. The culture of God would have us honor our mutual humanity and also bear one another's burdens. The culture of God would have us find shelter for the homeless and the refugee, and food for the hungry, and care for the sick. 
In the culture of God, we would love one another, even those with whom we disagree, and we would try to guide one another out of our blind spots rather than cancel each other out. In the culture of God, we would share out of what we have so that all would have enough. And while a healthy government can make it easier and not harder to bring about a life-giving culture for everyone, no political system or party is going to usher in this culture of God. It is up to the people who follow the way of the one who in the fullness of time brought this kingdom, this culture of God so near to us. The kingdom has come near. Follow me, he says to us today. When we sign on to follow Jesus, we are not following a party platform or a set of policies or even a set of beliefs. We are following first and foremost a way of life set forth by Jesus of Nazareth. His way is a way of justice, not power. It is a way, a life, a truth, such as gives us breath, such as ends all strife, such as killeth death to borrow from George Herbert and our opening hymn. The revolution of justice and peace will always begin in the hearts of the people who accept the invitation to follow the way of justice and peace. When we don't follow that way, we can't expect that outcome. When I was an Episcopal school chaplain just a few years ago on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, I invited a second grader to give a chapel talk to share about his family's tradi religious tradition. They were Jains, and his parents had moved from India to the United States. At age eight, he spoke eloquently about the Jain temples in India and how pilgrims climb the hundreds of steps barefoot or on hands and knees. He talked about his vegan diet. He told about how Jain nuns wear masks over their faces to avoid inhaling a living microbe and inadvertently taking the life of even that small because, he said, killing of any kind is forbidden to Jains. And at the end of his talk, his fellow students' hands shot up. Immediately, you could tell this was New York City. What about when a cockroach crawls across your floor? Can't you kill even that? He explained that one of his parents would just trap it, take it down the elevator, and let it go. An unthinkable idea to almost any apartment-dwelling New Yorker. The children pressed him. What about a mosquito? Can you swat a fly? What will happen to you if you do kill one? The boy answered with stunning composure and confidence. Nothing will happen to me. I just wouldn't be following my religion. I have never forgotten this answer he gave. It struck me between the eyes. We could accept the injustice of the world the way it is, but we just wouldn't be following our religion. We wouldn't be following the way of Jesus. My second grade Jane student made me realize that for all the variety of religious experience and fractured denominations in our own Christian tradition, we really only have two ways of being in the world the way that kills, and the way that does not kill. And these two ways are found among followers of every major religion, cutting across denominations and creeds. And there is more than one way in which we kill. 
Sometimes it's the actual taking of a human life, whether with gun violence or the death penalty or war. And sometimes it's not a body we kill by our actions or inactions, but a spirit. We might participate in killing just by doing nothing when someone else is in harm's way. Or we might resign ourselves to thinking that as long as the world's injustice is not happening in my own backyard, it doesn't concern me. We can do these things, but then we just aren't following the way of Jesus. The youth poet laureate Amanda Gorman said in her, in her inauguration poem, we've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather, rather than share it. She was alluding to the political extremists who, who attacked the Capitol building on January 6th and all that led up to that. And I believe that this force would shatter, that would shatter rather than share is the same force that denies children living in poverty their basic human rights to secure shelter, food, health care, and learning. It is the same force that upholds all manner of systemic prejudice against black and brown-skinned people, at the ballot box, on the streets, and in the workplace. It is the same force that plants fear in the minds of some people against others based solely upon their physical, cultural, or religious differences. It is the same force that sows division over reconciliation and that persists in denying the basic dignity of entire populations. It is the same force that passively turns a deaf ear or a blind eye to the good news that the culture of God has come near this is the force that kills. We can't single-handedly save the world or work miracles to find our way to the culture of God. Instead, we have a simpler invitation to leave the boats of our inaction, put down the nets of our fear, and follow Jesus one day at a time, one action at a time, one choice at a time. After she read her poem at the inauguration, Amanda Gorman told, told Anderson Cooper on CNN that she recites a mantra every time she's about to read in public. She says, I am the daughter of black writers. We are descended from freedom fighters who broke their chains and changed the world. They call me. With deep respect for her and for her ancestors and for the ongoing pursuit of the justice we share with her, pursuit of justice that we share with her, I liken Miss Gorman's mantra to the calling of all of us who want to follow the way of Jesus. We are the children of God. We are descended from those who first followed Jesus, who himself broke the chains of fear and death and changed the world. He calls us, let us follow. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.